song you were doing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. You good over there? <laughs> That's Mika. She can't talk right now. I was trying. Please come to the phone later. Never mind. <laughs> That's Mika, and this is a music history podcast where I am trying to teach her the whole story of American music, and it's not working great. And I'm just trying to remember Danny's last name from Greece. Lightning. No. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Lightning. That's Danny. what the car's named after. Danny, Danny, Danny. All I can think of is Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Greece. So Danny DeVito <laughs> instead. Of said, oh my god! I'd watch that. It'd be hundred <laughs> percent. It would be better than the actual Greece. Instead of John Travolta, it's Danny DeVito. No, instead of the other way, it's John Travolta and Danny <laughs> DeVito. <laughs> John Travolta is trying to woo Danny DeVito. Oh my god! <laughs> I would watch that, and it would be better than Greece because Greece is horrible. I'm not gonna argue you about that. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Well, hey. we're back, and <laughs> I think we're doing two weeks in a row, which is crazy. Woohoo! It's w- crazy for us. Uh-huh. So, Mika is the host now. You got <laughs> anything for us? <laughs> yeah, I have is Danny DeVito in Greece. <laughs> if anyone knows Danny DeVito, let him know we have an idea for him. Oh, my God. Gr- yes! Grease 3. Danny DeVito. No, just Grease Reborn. Danny DeVito. Grease Danny DeVito edition. <laughs> ay, ay. Um guys, we this is essentially my podcast. I think we can all agree. <laughs> because we spent the first out two minutes talking about Greece and now we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about candles. I'm frustrated. I can't smell them. And it's COVID. not COVID. <laughs> it's not COVID. It's 100% not COVID. But like, yo. Because you get a bunch of weak candles. Wait, well, what candles am I supposed to get? I don't know. Jolly have, Rancher candles. Ooh, gross. They smell for sure. You know, actually... I, have I had one in college, and it was delightful. I have been using an Old Spice deodorant that smells like Jolly Ranchers to me. It smells like grape Jolly Ranchers. The um, one I had was Blue Raspberry, and it smelled delicious. It I bet it smelled like fake. It smelled like Blue Raspberry Gross. Jolly Ranchers. Well, I mean, I have, like, the Yankee Candle ones, and apparently those are crappy, as we've already talked about. And then I have the freaking candle from Patty Wax, and I don't think that it's very strong either and it's doing that thing where it just like burns down the middle and there's like half of the candle is on the outside but it's not melting and so it's just burning a hole down the middle i feel like i'm not getting my money's worth okay someone tell me what candles to buy okay i really need a good now that you're on our twitter you can Oh my Put god. Put the request out. I'm so excited <laughs> to have the Twitter login. I'm trying not to just like share all of the funny TikToks You've had it that the I whole find. Time. <laughs> just no, never I cared. Ha- I At the beginning you didn't care and then you forgot. Okay, that you I was had more it. depressed then. <laughs> give me some slack. Give give me it's Cut okay. me some slack. No. Give, give me some slack works give too. Give me some slack. 
Tonight's episode is brought to you by oh, no. Disc Insider. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me energy and tastes yummy. Okay. What? Is Mika no longer the host now? Disc Insider. <laughs> Not sponsored. That'd be cool. I mean, if they want to sponsor us. <laughs> I highly it's, doubt they would, but if they do. If you, but like they have, I'm drinking this one. It's called Resolution. It's very like wintry because I feel like normally cider is very like, well, h- like hard cider is, I don't know. I don't feel it's very wintry, but this one is so good. I can tell you for sure we're not going to get a Yankee Candle sponsorship. No, <laughs> and I don't want a Yankee Candle sponsorship. <laughs> Everything that I recommend is a hundred percent something I stand by. <laughs> like Danny DeVito in Greece. Yes. <laughs> anyway. All right, Mika no longer the host now. Oh, I tell them about the mold. What? Our apartment oh, is molded. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Not Every time anymore. we take a shower or cook or yeah, it's not molded anymore because Nick cleaned it, but it keeps popping up. Because we have such high humidity yep. from apparently not using the freaking AC and cooking and taking a shower. Somehow that means that our apartment gets like insane condensation from the humidity. It's dumb. Yeah. It's I'm annoying. mad. We're at 69% right now. Oh, 70. Just went Oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Mika no longer the host Mika's now. Mika's no longer the host now. All right. Follow us on our social medias yeah, so you can see, and then tag Disc Insider and get them to sponsor us. That'd oh my be fun. god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our Twitter is Sound of History with an underscore after it, so Sound of History underscore. And Mika will be, I don't know, posting some stuff that may or may not be good on there. Hey, everything I think is fantastic. <laughs> true. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even say it. And then Facebook.com slash Sound of History. But we're not very active on there. But you can go over there and like give us a review if you want. And that's, I don't know, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Maybe we can make changes, do stuff differently. Make make a segment shorter. You know, whatever. Hey. <laughs> no. Okay. So now we're going to get into the music history. You ready for this? No, I'm looking at our light up tree. Really pretty. Do you even remember what we talked about last week? Country. Yes. We talked about like a few different subgenres of country music that were Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I is that all you remember is cowboys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about like Western swing music and the doughboys, the light crust doughboys. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> I c- I thought about the Light Crest Doughboys number three hit song on Spotify, Pussy, 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 <laughs> at least three times this week. And I am not exaggerating. Oh I thought about it first thing in the morning <laughs> as I was going to work. That's so weird. <laughs> we also talked about the Nashville sound. Do you remember what that was? Pop, but with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we talked a little bit at the end about Rockabilly, which... Is that yodeling? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly what it sounds like. It's rock music and country. Like, it's country gone rock. It's Elvis, basically. Oh, right. And I don't like Elvis. Exactly. Yeah. So So we're going to talk about Elvis? So you just, like, took in yodeling instead. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to talk about Elvis, but not right now. Um, 
we're doing this, and then we're going to do rock, and then we have a bonus episode on Elvis. Okay. Because, like, we can't not talk about Elvis. He's a huge part of American music. I know you don't like him. I don't particularly care for his music, but got to talk about him. You said we're going to talk about the Beatles. The Beatles aren't from America. No, but they were huge in America. I know. Okay. So today, we're talking about one of the most important country singers of the time period, and quite possibly of just all time in general. Do you know anything at all about Hank Williams? Do you think you know any of his songs? I do think I know one I'd of his songs. be surprised if you grew up around Nashville and haven't heard any Hank Williams in your I life. I definitely know the name. There's also a Hank Williams Jr., which is his son, who is still doing stuff now and was pretty popular. So that might be how you know him. No. All right. Okay, well, we'll get into it. We'll see if you recognize any of the songs we're going to play. I think I will. Okay. Hank Williams is a legend, arguably country music's first superstar, but his life was a little troubled. So we're going to get into all of that. Most musicians' lives are yeah. in trouble. I mean, he's just kind of fit in the mold. Started with Stephen Foster. He was the first one who like, went broke, was exploited, died at 29 or whatever. God, I keep forgetting it was so early. Yeah. Mostly because I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my job. <laughs> I mean, we are 35 <laughs> episodes in, so that was episode two. So anyway. In September of 1923, Hiram Williams was born in Mount Olive, Alabama. He was the third child of Lon and Lily Williams. Lon? Lon, L-O-N. Lon? Lon? No, it's Lon. Yeah. Lon and Lily. The family huh. never had much money growing up, which was, a com- which was common of people in that area of America in the 20s. His dad, Lon, worked as an engineer on a railroad for a lumber company. That's where the song came from, actually. From Lon? Yeah. Is that the Hank Williams song that I (laughs) know? (laughs) (laughs) But Lon was drafted in 1918 for World War I and served for a year until he suffered a terrible accident. He fell off the back of a truck and broke his collarbone. Ow. And took took a blow to the head at the same time. Ow. So he was sent back home. Hank didn't really see much of his father when he was a kid. When When Hank was eight, his father started to suffer from facial paralysis, and doctors determined it was because of a brain aneurysm. Mm. So Lon was hospitalized for the next eight years in the VA hospital in Louisiana. I cannot imagine being in the hospital for eight years. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess they just didn't really know what to do at that time. We're like, well, we'll keep you here. That hospital bill. Well, it was the VA. He was a veteran. So, yeah. His mother, who ran boarding houses, moved them around a bunch, just like kind of all over Alabama. And his father stayed in the Veterans Administration Hospital. So, Did he write Sweet Home Alabama? (laughs) No. Okay. It's Leonard Skinner. Okay. (laughs) You're getting there, though. You're just going to (laughs) keep guessing until you get one. (laughs) Also, Hank had a condition called spinal bifida. Spina bifida. Sure. Which caused him back pain all of his life and made him feel set apart from the rest of the kids his age. He felt he was different. When he was eight years old, he was given his first guitar, and he started to learn how to play from an African-American man who was a busker on the street corners. A what? A busker. So the guys who sit outside and play music with like a little hat in front of them to collect money. Why are they called that? No idea, but it's fairly common. That's what they're called. Rufus Payne, known as T-Tot, 
was a street performer in Greenville, Alabama. It is said he got his nickname because he carried a homemade mixture of tea and alcohol everywhere he went. Not because he carried tater tots? <laughs> yes, just tea and tater tots. No, like tea tots, tater tots. <laughs> well, it's T-E-A. No, it's T-E-E. T-O-T. Two separate words. Tea tot. Okay. Uh, T-Tot played the blues, and he would come around the boarding house that Hank lived in and teach him to play chords and other traditional blues songs. Hank credited T-Tot as his only teacher, and his influence can easily be seen in Hank's music. Which is kind of cool. Kind of cool little way for him to learn music. In 1937, Hank got into a fight with his PE teacher about an exercise that the teacher wanted Hank to do. You know, how As one does. Yeah, how dare this PE teacher try and get him to do exercise. Like, depending on how bad his medical condition was, <laughs> I can imagine a kid being yeah, like, guess. yo, I can't do that. Well, Hank's mom demanded that the teacher be fired. When the school board didn't fire the teacher, she moved the family to Montgomery, Alabama, and opened another boarding house there. All right. And that Drastic. Was <laughs> that was where Hank's career first started to gain some serious traction. I can also see an eight-year-old being like, no, I can't do that. Like, Why are you just assuming like, he's eight? I thought you said he was eight. No, it was in 1937. So I don't. He was born in 23, so he's like 14 at this point. Well, even more so yeah. then. <laughs> He'll be like, sorry, I can't do standing. <laughs> <laughs> that notorious exercise <laughs> PE teachers want you to do. Standing up. <laughs> I mean, hey, a fourteen-year-old will say some crazy stuff. I can't you do know. standing. <laughs> okay, Hank had his radio debut at thirteen years old. He also won a talent show and earned fifteen dollars playing an original song that he wrote. Well, hot damn! Yeah, I mean, that's a lot in that time. He never learned to read music and based his songs on stories and personal experiences. One time, my PE teacher tried to get me to stand up, and my mom tried to have him fired. So you have he heard moved. Hank Williams. You do know his songs. That's good. I'll make this easier. He never learned to read music. I just said that. Yeah, yeah. He he wrote it based yes. off of his his stories personal stories. At the age of fourteen, he started his own band. Hank Williams and his Drifting Cowboys. Oh my god, that is such a 14-year-old <laughs> band name. With this band, Hank got a regular spot playing on a local radio station where they dubbed him The Singing Kid. That's pretty cute. Yeah, it's cute, but at the same time, it's just like, not very creative. He's a kid singing, so they just call him The Singing Kid, I guess. His mother, who always supported his music career, drove him all around the South to shows and stuff. He started to get the attention of a few executives in Nashville and was on his way to making a career in music. But he also started to abuse alcohol during this period to relieve his sometimes excruciating back pain. Poor so kid. He started to like get the reputation as an unreliable performer. Because sometimes he just wouldn't show up because of the alcohol. And potentially pain. Yeah, but I mean, he was numbing the pain with alcohol. So like, if I he was in pain, he would just get like numb. When the, U pain is a bitch. Yep. when the U.S. entered World War II, Hank got out of the draft because of his back, but the rest of his bandmates got drafted. Bummer. <laughs> the replacements for the band members 
didn't want to play with Hank because of his growing alcoholism. So it seems like they shouldn't have agreed to. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) In 1942, the radio station fired him because he kept showing up drunk. Once backstage at the radio station, he met his idol, Roy Acuff, who warned him about the dangers of alcohol. He said, quote, you've got a million dollar talent, son, but a 10 cent brain. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) That's some harsh truth. Everyone needs a Roy Acuff in their life. Who's my Roy Acuff? What's my, what's my ten cents brain? I don't know. Your tardiness. I am tardy. Tardy hardy. <laughs> oh gosh. I have pretty makeup on. <laughs> Just, that's why I'm tardy. In or because I like sleep. Yeah, or both. Yeah, it's normal. You like both. sleep and then can't leave without makeup on. I can. In 1943, Hank met a young mother named Audrey Mae Shepard. She was recently out of a messy marriage, and Hank convinced her to start playing bass and join his band. Oh, cool. Yeah. A year after meeting, they got married and moved into Hank's mom's boarding house in Montgomery. That's where I thought it was going. Which might not have been a great idea. What, moving into your mom's boarding house with your wife who already is a mama? Yes. Yeah. Audrey and Hank's mom had a complicated relationship and were rivals for Hank's attention. Oh, no. Audrey became his manager as well as his wife. Also, probably not a great idea, just historically. And Hank became something of a local celebrity, even though he couldn't break out nationally. I'm your manager. Are you? Yeah. Doing a horrible job. I tell you what we're doing. (laughs) I have no engagements. And I manage you. (laughs) I have not once appeared anywhere. (laughs) You're a horrible manager. (laughs) it's because we're married okay (laughs) sure in 1945 hank was back working with the radio station and also released a songbook called original songs of hank williams it only featured lyrics and no music but it helped hank gain some recognition as a songwriter because he can't read music yeah basically i mean i'm sure he could have had someone do it but so it just kind of sounds like a book of poems but you know whatever in 1946, Hank and Audrey decided to visit Nashville to audition for the Grand Ole Opry. Aww. <laughs> he was rejected. Aww. <laughs> but while there, they wanted to meet with a publisher named Fred Rose of the Acuff Rose Publications Company. As you'll remember, Acuff is Roy Acuff, his idol. I'm sure oh. you remembered that. No. The guy who told me in a 10 cent brain. That was memorable. <laughs> Apparently, they approached him during one of his routine ping-pong games. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Keep going. <laughs> Hank got an impromptu audition, audition at Fred, and Fred Rose liked his sound enough to offer him a 10-song contract that ten resulted for ten cents. <laughs> that resulted in two recordings on a smaller label. Both of those songs were successful and landed Hank a recording contract with MGM. Do you want to hear one of his first recordings? I so do. It's a song called Honky Tonkin'. Did we already listen to this? I don't think so. So I was like, yep, this is what Honky Tonkin'. Well, we talked about the difference between Honky Tonk and the Nashville sound. He did listen to one of his songs because he was wearing that same suit with the music notes on it. I do really like the music notes on it. 
you to listen to. Yeah, oh my gosh, his band name is still Hank Williams and his Drifting Cowboys. Yep. Why change it? Struck gold. First take. Goodness. No, do overs. Alright, that's Honky Tonkin. That was one of his first ever recordings with MGM. I do not know that one. Those songs were good enough to get him a record contract, but they weren't hits. Originally, he was only writing material for another artist. Like, he was just kind of brought on as a songwriter for the label. But then, in 1947, he released a song called Move It On Over, which became his first major hit. You want to listen to Move It On Over? Yeah. All right, here's another song. Move It On Over. Lock on our front door, and my door key don't fit no more. So get it on over. He's going to the doghouse. Scoot it on over. Dog. I understand now. Cause the fat dog's moving in. This doghouse here is pretty small, but it's better than no house at all. So ease it on over. Drag it on over. New dog's moving in. All right, let's move it on over. That was Hank's first big hit now. I like it. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Catch a little tune. Fred Rose became his manager and main producer. Their relationship deteriorate, deteriorated a bit. There's too many syllables in that word. I can never say it right. I believe in you. Their relationship deteriorated a bit oh, because good. Hank kept showing up to performances drunk. But Hank's career was on the ascendancy at this point. Because of the success of that song, he was added as a regular to the Louisiana... (laughs) I can't say Louisiana today. (laughs) To the Louisiana Hayride Radio Program, which was a spot that got him broadcasted into all the living rooms in the Southeast. We talk more about that radio program later. Like, Probably not later in this episode, but like other people featured on it, and it got kind of popular. Yeah, we talk about how it took you four tries to say that line <laughs> right now. <laughs> Drunk. What can I tell you? You're not. You can't joke about that with just your words. People will believe hey, you. Hey, we're sponsored by Disc Insider. All That's right. right. <laughs> Been pounding ciders all day. Oh, God. All day, every day. All day. <laughs> I can do this all day. So. What is the vibe tonight? <laughs> it's Hank Williams. Woo. Anything goes. So Hank started to host his own show, and he toured all over the South, returning home on weekends so he could do his spot on the Louisiana Hayride. Despite all of this, he still didn't have a number one hit, but that changed in 1949 when he released his version of an old show tune called Lovesick Blues. The song, do you know what show that's from? No. Okay, I don't either. I didn't write it down. But I do think you know this song. I was going to say I don't think I know this song. Pretty sure you do. Not because of Hank Williams. The song became a massive hit and even had crossover success when it hit the pop charts. It spent 16 weeks at number one on the country charts. He got an invitation to play the song at the Opry, where he got six encores, which was unprecedented at that time. He you was beat the, him. You said at that time. I don't know. I mean, I just think other people have done it. I don't know if anyone has gotten more. But he was the first performer to receive that many encores at the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, so it was truly unprecedented. Wait. 
the most. Now we're going to have to sit here because there's no way you can do this and listen to me. I can. I can't spell encores, but I can listen. I'm reading ahead a little bit. Now I know a thing. No, don't (laughs) read ahead. Very curious. Okay. So he was the first, possibly the only, to get six encores of the Grand Ole Opry. Right. Huge achievement because the Grand Ole Opry is like the pinnacle of country music. It used to be, kind of still is. We went and we saw the Grinch there. We did. (laughs) Which is kind of sad that that's our only experience with the Grand Ole Opry. No, I think. No, I've watched Top Chef do a quick fire at the Grand Ole Opry, but that was on TV. (laughs) (laughs) So they kind of recorded the song Love Sick Blues as a throwaway at the end of a recording session. The song was an unimaginable success for him and allowed him a lot of creative freedom to try to do other stuff. It also had a massive resurgence because of a viral video in 2018. So here's Lovesick Blues, and I'm going to see if you can, if you know the viral video. Is it Adele? It seems like it's a, not it's Adele. It's not Adele? Okay. No. I got a feeling called the blues, old thoughts, and my baby oh. said goodbye. <laughs> Are you, should we haven't talked about this? Because I'm having major deja vu. No, we haven't. We have not talked about it. We talked about the Cubs song. Oh, that's what I thought this was. No, this is the Walmart yodeling kid. Uh, look at me yodeling. I, I heard the tune. It's the yodeling song. I hate to think it's all over. I've lost my heart, it seems. I've grown so used to the you the somehow. Lunch, like Thought I'm nobody's so sugar daddy now, and I'm lonesome. I got to love sick blues. It's got 13 million views. Well, I'm in love. All right. I'm in love. Nancy Williams, Love Sick Blues. I don't know if that counts as me knowing it. As made popular by Mason Ramsey, yodeling it in Walmart. God, so cute. (laughs) Also in 1949, Hank and Audrey welcomed their first child, a son named Hank Williams Jr. And Hank went on the first European tour of the Grand Ole Opry, where they performed in military bases in Germany and England. And he assembled a new band for a new edition of the Drifting Cowboys. And this lineup that he assembled at this time would be the most successful lineup. The third time's the charm. They ended up earning over $1,000 per contract and sold out quite a few shows all over the country. So 1949, all in all, was a pretty great year for Hank. Cool. Got a kid, had massive success, toured Europe. Good things. But around this time, I don't know why I said but, around this time, Hank adopted an alias called Luke the Drifter and started to release religious songs. He was worried that radio jockeys wouldn't want to pick up these songs and didn't want the Hank Williams name associated with the project, so he adopted an alias to release them. But he still used the word drifter. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. like that'll... It's like his, his little <laughs> calling card. Yeah. Well, we'll throw back. Unlike Little Richard, he was just like, nah, I'm just going to go all in. his voice. <laughs> <laughs> the songs were more like recitations. If that's how you say the word, instead of songs, and were kind of odd. Okay. They pretty much all featured Luke traveling around and telling stories about the places he's been while philosophizing about life. Religion. 
here's one of the Luke the Drifter songs. It's called Men with Broken Hearts. You'll meet many just like me up on life's busy street. <laughs> Make it stop. With no, shoulders stooped and like heads bowed low either. and eyes that stare in defeat. Nope. Mm -mm. For souls that live within the past. Make it where stop. <laughs> all parts. All right, well, that's Luke the Drifter. Apparently not, not a favorite good. around here. Over the next few years, Hank Williams became a superstar. He released a chain of number one hits, including Hey Good Lookin', which I'm sure you know that one. Not by name. Really? Really? Hey Good Lookin', what you got cooking? About cooking something up for me. <laughs> My mom used to sing that all the time when I was growing up. Your mom is so cute, <laughs> and also so are you. <laughs> He wrote almost all of his songs himself and relied on emotionally honest and simple lyrics. Because of that, he had a lot of crossover appeal because the songs were just easy to understand and relate to, no matter who you were. Mm -hmm. Tony Bennett released a pop cover of one of his songs, Cold Cold Heart, that reached number one on the charts. I know Tony Bennett. <laughs> well, there you go. In 1949, wait, if 1949 was a breakthrough year for Hank, 1951 was his peak. That's a quick peek. Yep. He signed a movie deal with MGM. He appeared on Perry Como's television show, meaning he was a mainstream hit. Like, that's how you know. It's kind of like appearing on Jimmy Fallon today. Like, that's how you know you made it. He went on tour with Bob Hope, who is one of the biggest movie stars of the age. I know Bob Hope. Yep, he's famous for his Bing Crosby movies, the Road series. Also famous for other things, but, you know, we talked about Bing, so... He also released a song called Ramblin' Man that was a massive success for both him and later his son. Here's Ramblin' Man, just to give you a take on what's happening in his music right about now. I can settle down and be doing just fine Till I hear an old phrase Rolling down the line Then I heard straight Home and pack And if I didn't go His nose is I believe I'd blow my stack I love you, baby But you got a heart when the Lord made me, he made a ramblin' man. So that was his massive success in 1951, one of his successes. But while his professional career was thriving, his personal life was falling apart. He and Audrey had been having arguments for a while that led to a few different separations. Audrey wanted to have a music career in her own right, but wasn't seeing any success. Hank's alcoholism got worse. In the fall of 1951, Hank suffered an accident on a hunting trip in Franklin, Tennessee. No way! That reactivated his old back injuries that had been dormant for a while. So he started to take morphine and other painkillers along with the alcohol to dull the pain. 
Sounds very Tennessee of him. Yep. (laughs) He also started to have more physical issues. His hair started to fall out, he gained a lot of weight, and he suffered a minor heart attack while visiting his sister in Florida. And he's not that old at this time. Only like 30-something. In 1952, Hank and Audrey separated for the final time, got divorced, and Hank moved back in with his mom in Montgomery. The move didn't slow down his music career, and he released five new singles, but he became completely reckless and spent almost all of the time he was awake, drunk, or on drugs. Or both. Yeah, probably both. He had a habit of playing with guns that got him in some trouble, and he liked destroying property. He was just reckless. Love that. He left his mother and moved back to Nashville with another country music singer named Ray Price. During the divorce that became final when Hank moved back to Nashville, Audrey was awarded the house, custody of their son, and half of all of Frank's or oh man, half of all of Hank's future royalties. Good for her. Yeah, Get she it, got girl. All of it. Hank still toured and played shows, but he played basically every single one drunk or on drugs. Or both. This led to him straight up missing several shows. Because of that, the Grand Ole Opry fired him and said that he should get sober and they'd welcome him back. But he didn't take their advice and he spiraled farther down into a self-destructive behavior. That's so wild because you know that so many people are just as intoxicated performing these days. Mm -hmm. They just have a better manager. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of which, Fred Rose, his longtime manager, left him. His friends and bandmates started to give up on him and played with other musicians instead of him. Well, this is a bummer. The Drifting Cowboys broke up. He went back to to the Louisiana Hayride and started to play there again, but he earned reduced wages because he had to use pickup bands. In Louisiana, he met the 19-year-old daughter of a policeman named Billie Jean, Uh -uh. and they got married. Uh, She's 19. She's of age. No, stop. (laughs) I don't know how old he is at this point. 30-something? At the same time, he signed a contract agreeing to provide for a, to provide for a daughter he had by one of his girlfriends, a dancer from New York. So, like, he signed a contract agreeing to help her. Yes, I understand. Okay, I just, I messed up saying that, so <laughs> I wanted to make sure it was clear. By the end of 1952, Hank was having some serious heart problems, you know, kind of evidenced by the heart attack he had. Mm-hmm and was being given various prescription drugs by a doctor, who turned out to be a con man, to ease the pain. Cool. The doctor, this doctor, who purchased his doctor of science for $25, Oh my gosh. gave him a bunch of drugs that actually only made his heart issues worse. Yeah. Which, you know, a doctor who paid $25 to become a doctor is liable to do. Hank was scheduled to play a show on New Year's, New Year's Day, 1953, in Canton, Ohio. He was supposed to fly out of Knoxville, but the weather was too bad to fly, so he hired a college kid as a chauffeur to drive <laughs> him there through the storm. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just a random UT kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Before they left Knoxville, Carr, who was the chauffeur, ironically, called for a doctor because Hank didn't seem quite right. He was feeling the bad effects of chloral hydrate he took mixed with alcohol. The doctor, who I'm assuming is a real one this time, gave him shots of B12 with small amounts of morphine. So that, like, woke Hank up enough, and he crawled into the back seat of his Cadillac with a bottle of whiskey, and cars started to drive him to Ohio. 
Around midnight of January 1st, they crossed the Tennessee state line into Bristol, Virginia, and stopped for gas. Carr asked Hank if he wanted any food, and Hank said he did not. Those are believed to be Hank's last words. After two hours of not hearing from Hank, Carr pulled over in Oak Hill, West Virginia. That poor kid. Yeah, for real. You're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep on going. He did everything that he, he knew did. to do. He did. I am impressed. I don't think anyone like blamed him for anything. He saw that Hank Williams was dead. Oh, man, the trauma. I no. hope that kid got therapy. The gas station manager called the police, and they found empty beer cans in the back of the Cadillac. along also beer and whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> along with some half-finished song lyrics. Oh. It was officially ruled death by heart attack. Hank Williams was only 29 years old. When they announced okay. at the venue in Canton, Ohio, that Hank had died on his way there, they initially started to laugh. Like, the crowd started to laugh. They thought it was just an excuse because he missed another show. Because, like, he has a habit of missing shows. But they eventually caught on and had a little tribute concert to him. Hmm. His funeral on January 4th was said to be the largest event ever held in Montgomery. An estimated 15,000 to 25,000 people passed by his silver coffin. His final single released while he was alive was called I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive. And here is that song. I don't wanna. This is the last single he ever released. I mean, he had some like Are songs released after his death. looking at a man that's getting kind of mad. I had a lot to look, but it's all been bad. No matter how struggle and strive, I'll never get out of this world alive. My fishing pole's broke, the creek is full of sand. My woman run away with another man. No matter Look how at the ears I'll never get out of this world alive. My distant uncle passed right. away and left me. That's depressing. I just, like, the end was full of ironies. He was being driven by a guy named Carr. His last song is I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive. <laughs> Ironic. It's, um, I don't know. <laughs> a sign. Like, it's not, like, necessarily. It's prophetic. I mean, no. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess that's the kind of song you write when you're taking that poor care of yourself. Yeah. Far from ending his career, his death actually sparked a bit of a Hank Williams revival. His manager said before his death he received about five requests for photos from the press. After his death, he received over 300. Record stores sold out of all of his records. Before his death, the Nashville country community that was developing the Nashville sound and looking to shed its hillbilly roots was starting to reject Hank, who is the king of honky-tonk and kind of the antithesis of what they were doing at that time. Also, his alcoholism made him tarnish his reputation. In the years since his death, Hank's legacy has only grown. So, so many different country artists cite him as an influence. He is widely recognized as the king of country music, along with Johnny Cash, Roy Acuff, and George Strait. Like those are the four that are like considered the big dogs of country. He had eleven number one country hits with many other top ten hits. The daughter he fathered by his dancer girlfriend was born shortly after his death and she didn't know who her father was until she was in her 20s. Dang. 
Her mother passed away two years after her birth, so oh. she was legally adopted and didn't know she was Hank Williams' daughter Holy until her cow. early 20s. When she figured it out, which, like, I don't know how she figured it out, but when she figured it out, she battled Hank Williams Jr. for Hank's estate. But Junior, Come on, girlfriend. But Junior refused to acknowledge her. But then that document that Hank signed showed up in court, and she was awarded half the estate. Hank Williams Jr. became a successful and prominent country artist in his own right. And now there's a Hank Williams III who's out there doing stuff too. All right, well, that's Hank Williams. A little bit of a troubled life, kind of typical of an American music star. But he was an icon of country. What are your thoughts on Hank? Bummer. Yeah. Crazy, he was only 29. Feels like he was older than that. He missed out on the 27 Club by a couple years. Hmm. The 27 Club. It's like all the famous musicians and stuff who died when they were 27. Mm. There's a lot. Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Amy Winehouse. All right, well, that's Hank. Okay. How do you feel about Hank? You like him? You like his music? I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> Right. Well, next week, we're finally getting to rock and roll. We're going to talk about the birth of rock and roll, which is where we've been headed for the past few weeks. And then we're going to talk about Chuck Berry, who is like arguably the, not the inventor, but like the guy who most embodied early rock and roll. Yep. And then we do Elvis. Then we do a couple other genres that don't really have anything to do with rock, but we're also developing around this time like soul music and funk and stuff. And then we do like a, we're going to take a brief pause and do like a little, I'm calling it a mini season. I don't know if that's appropriate, but it's just kind of like stepping out and we're just going to talk about guys, like a few different artists and then we're going to move on. All right. So that's what we're doing. I'm glad that you have our next three months planned out for us. Yeah. And hopefully we'll see you guys next week. Talk yeah. about rock and roll. We uh, yeah, probably because I have a whole week off. That's true. And and yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys See for you listening. Next week. Bye. Be happy. You left it special. Wouldn't let me in, so move it on over.